with the latest on the corporate front, all the market trends, expert opinion, and sound business advice. It is your unique window into the business world, direct from the heart of China. Hello and welcome to Biz Today. I'm Zhao Yang in Beijing. Coming up, we will have half an hour of business news and analysis. In today's show, we'll take a look at China's economic performance in the first half of this year, and China also issues guidelines to increase the policy support for the private economy. And now, let's begin with our top story. China's gross domestic product grew by 5.5 percent in the first half of this year, reaching 59 trillion yuan, or around 8.3 trillion U.S. dollars. Analysts are optimistic that the country can hit its gross target this year. CGTN's Zheng Chunying reports. China's gross domestic product grew by 5.5 percent year-on-year in the first half of 2023, despite the complex international environment and domestic challenges. That's according to China's National Bureau of Statistics. Specifically, industrial output grew 4.4 percent in June from a year earlier, accelerating from 3.5 percent seen in May, which, according to experts, reflects the country's long-term emphasis on strengthening supply chains. Uh, the industrial performance is actually above the market consensus, and it reflected the strength in China's uh, high-end equipment manufacturing, especially in the new energy sector. And when it comes to the demand side, retail sales, which is a key metric for consumption, grew 8.2 percent year-on-year in the first half. Dr. Xu Gao, chief economist of Bank of China International, attributes the steady growth to the improved business sentiment after the pandemic, as people were more willing to get about and to spend. People's need to consume has been further released after the pandemic, so there's an increasing demand. And thanks to the government's policy to boost consumption, people are getting more confident, more willing to spend money. However, if we look at the 3.1 percent increase in June alone, it slowed from a 12.7 percent jump in May, which reflects that we still face some downward pressure. Experts believe that China's economy is still in a recovery mode in the global landscape, and despite all the domestic and global challenges, they remain optimistic about China's economic outlook, and the 5 percent growth target is attainable. Given the economic performance, five percent growth is not too high to achieve. Besides, there's another main target: the stabilization of the labor market. More macroeconomic policies are expected to further stimulate the economy, to create more jobs, and make more young people get employed. And when it comes to another pillar of China's economic growth, import and export trade, analysts also pointed out challenges remain given the uncertainties in the global market, including geopolitical tensions and inflation in the U.S. and European countries. Yet they still believe that China's import and export trade will continue to demonstrate resilience in the second half of this year, thanks to the country's efforts in optimizing its trade structure and the fact that China remains the biggest manufacturer in the world. Zheng Chunying, CGTN, Beijing. So, what do the latest economic figures tell us? Should we be worried about deflation and unemployment? And what policy response can we expect? For more on this, join us on the line now. Ah,、uh, Zhang Gong, professor with the University of International Business and Economics, Andy Mark, senior research fellow at the Center for China and Globalization, and also 
Ina Tangan, Senior Fellow at the Taihe Institute. So, Andy, I will start with you. China's economy grew by 5.5% in the first half, despite the complex international environment and the domestic challenges. So how do you view this rise of 5.5% growth? I think a more objective way of looking at it is that the annual target is about 5%. So we're looking at uh, the first half of uh, 5.5, the second quarter 6.3. So it's within the range of what the government is aiming for. So I think that being said, we know youth unemployment is a challenge. Uh, So there are still a lot of threats. Uh, There are still structural issues that need to be addressed in the Chinese economy, and I'm sure we'll be talking about this uh, Mm. in great detail, but the Chinese government is being very proactive to make sure that the economy hits this year's growth target and is on a sustainable long-term growth trajectory. Mm. So, Zhang, how do you view this rise of 5.5%? I think we need to, you know, put things in, in context. I think, you know, let's just admit the fact that there are indeed weaknesses, in my view, of the recovery. Nevertheless, we are in the recovery mode. I think this, the trend is still towards recovery, even mm. though uh, there are some weaknesses. Uh, so, so I think um, the, the the policy measures that we're going to talk about in a minute, uh, just coming from the central government, is a direct answer. Uh, to addressing the weaknesses, uh, particularly pertaining to the private sector. And I think uh, with this uh, set of policies coming out, uh, things will improve uh, in that area. Mm. And Andy, so we are seeing the investment in the high-tech industry increase by over 12%. Are we seeing an accelerating structural shift? Do you think China is uh, investing actually more higher up in the value chain? Well, I think this trend has been going on for a while, Zhao Yang. So, uh, you know, even not too long after uh, the beginning of reform, economic reform and opening, as China rapidly uh, became wealthier, accumulated uh, manufacturing expertise and then technology, I think clearly uh, China's moving up. It means that China uh, can uh, produce design, produce products that have higher margins, uh, have greater prestige in the global marketplace, but it also means rising costs as well. So this is the broader context in which this is taking place. In the last few years, of course, because of these uh, actions taken by the U.S. to target China's technology sector, this has, I think, only accelerated the drive for more investment, uh, accelerating the development in areas like semiconductors. Uh, China already has a leadership position in EVs, uh, solar panels, other very, very vital technologies, not just for today and tomorrow. So I think this can help us uh, understand this increase in investment that I think is likely to continue, if not accelerate, in the years to come. Mm. So, Aina, so how do you see China's transition to the green economy, to the solar panel, battery, and NEVs? Well, China's been leading in uh, all of those sectors uh, because of the economies of scale, because of uh, the vision that a lot of these uh, companies had. Um, it, it's you know become the uh, basically the stalwart of you know especially European uh, switch to alternative energy. Uh, but it's not being received warmly by the U.S., who see it as a competitive threat. They're thinking that um, they need to put uh, tariffs on it. But you know, the, the, the tariffs only increase inflation. You know, at, at this point, China is far and away ahead 
kind of mirrored in what's happening in the tech sector that Andy was talking about. I, I don't see it as, uh, you know, kind of a gradual rise thing. The, the 12 percent, um, I, I would say three quarters of that is due to the fact that the U.S. is artificially trying to contain China, not only denying it chips, but also chip making um, uh, machinery. So China has no choice but to plow uh, extra money into figuring out workarounds uh, that will allow them to um, manufacture what they need in order to be competitive globally uh, on so many of their uh, uh, goods and services. Mm. And John, also talking about uh, China's solar panel, battery, NEVs, they are also the highlights for foreign trade. And China's foreign trade grew by 2.1% in the first half. So what do you see as the biggest challenges for the foreign trade? And also, how resilient do you think China's foreign trade will be? Um, well, I think the the biggest problem with China's exports is the weak demand globally. Um, I think uh, the biggest markets for Chinese exports, uh, including the North American market, European Union, you know, they're all going through uh, economic slowdowns right now. Um, so, uh, you know, the demand is driving the slowdown in exports. So I think that's a more of a uh, you know cyclical phenomenon. Uh, if things will come back, I think there are some signs that America, North America's economy, uh, especially the United States, uh, is actually indeed coming back. I think um, so. Things probably will uh, change for the better. I hope. Um, I think you know, we asked the question about uh, resilience. Um, mm. I think overall Chinese exports are still very competitive. Um, I mean, the three things you mentioned, the juice on the crown, I guess, about China's uh, exports, uh, you know, th- this is a market pretty much uh, dominated by Chinese companies uh, in, in photovoltaic products, uh, in electric uh, cars, in batteries, and all these things. Uh, China's really leading head. As, as Anna said, it's because of market economy, um, size of the, the market in China, as well as the government's policy, in my view. I mean, the Chinese government has been pushing very hard, adopting a, a strong, you know, unabated, uh, strongly uh, heralded industrial policy uh, to, to push these uh, new technologies. So, uh, you know, it's no wonder, you know, they're doing so great. And I think, uh, you know, these three things, as well as a couple of other uh, products uh, you know, in that general uh, category uh, will continue to perform very well, in my view. I mean, this mm-hmm. is a very strong trend. Um, the world is moving in that direction. Uh, the entire automobile industry is being electrified and moving towards cleaner energy uh, sources is, is an unstoppable trend. So I think, uh, you know, in these areas, Chinese exports will continue to be very competitive uh, and then they will remain competitive for quite some time, in my view. Mm. And that is the foreign trade. And Andy, so when it comes to the domestic demand, the retail sales, which is a key metric for consumption, grew by 8.2% year-on-year in the first half. So how do you look at that? And do you think the consumption can become a major driver of China's economy this year? Well, we have to see, Zhao Yang. So I think that one of the big challenges uh, facing China's economy um, is consumer sentiment, consumer confidence. Mm. So COVID obviously was very difficult, and this will take some time for uh, confidence to return, and we can see measures being taken by the government, not just to strengthen consumer confidence, but business confidence as well. And we know this is uh, inextricably linked. So. Mm. If businesses are confident, they're investing more, they're expanding, hiring, what this means is, of course, a better job environment. People have 
jobs, they have wages, salaries, then they have more money to spend, they feel more optimistic about the future. Certainly, uh, confidence is very important. We also should not overlook the real estate sector as well. Um, this is another area that I think is related to consumer confidence and the, plat the, the platform tech companies as well. So, and all have been, uh, I think, received policy attention. So I think the pieces are in place uh, for consumer sentiment to improve. Mm. Longer term, we also need to recognize that China is shifting through this dual circulation policy to have the domestic economy be the primary driver. And that means improving the linkages between manufacturing, distribution, and consumption. But it also means structural changes uh, to make uh, the overall macro environment better for consumption, domestic consumption. And that's also, I think, happening in parallel. But of mm. course, we'll take a, a longer period of time before we see the full results. Mm. So, John, so in terms of policies needed to speed up and strengthen the domestic consumption, what are you looking for in the second half of this year? Well, um, there, there are a couple of things. I think, uh, you know, one thing is uh, fundamentally about, uh, you know, creating jobs and increasing income for the lower strata of the society. I think it's the, um, you know, these people, I think this, the, this segment of the market that is actually uh, falling behind in terms of uh, consumption. Um, you know, I know said that China's, um, you know, bank deposit balance is shooting through the roof. That's absolutely true. But I think, um, you know, this is the money uh, put in the bank by people who are relatively well off. I think, uh, you know, these people are already spending the money, I think. Um, you know, they're actually uh, spending money quite heavily. If you look at the travel industries, look at the um, you know, retail, they're actually coming back. But I, th I think it's the people who don't have the money that are actually sh uh, falling short. So, so I think, uh, you know, the, the way to induce these people to spend is to create jobs for them, to, uh, to increase their income. And I think it's in this regard that the government is actually doing something, you know. Uh, and I think in the, uh, the fiscal area, you know, the government is going to uh, undertake some more projects the overall idea is to uh, help the um, um, the less privileged uh, people in society and, and you know, uh, essentially induce them to spend the money. Mm. So, John, so we are seeing the youth unemployment hit a new record high of more than 21% in June. And at the same time, the overall urban unemployment rate remains steady. So how do you interpret the country's unemployment issue? And what's your suggestions to the young people or graduates? Well, this is actually not unique in China. It's also not unique right now. I mean, this has always been a pattern like this. It's uh, you know, the job market is always tough for for the rookies. Um, you know, they just enter the job market. The first job is always you know kind of a difficult. Um, and and you know the the historically high unemployment rate for the youngsters uh, for the young people um, uh, above the average uh, unemployment. It's a phenomenon that you observe in countries like, you know, in Spain, in, in Greece, in Italy, you know, it's all like this. Um, and, the, you know, 20% unemployment among the young people uh, is actually, you know, not really out of whack in my view. I mean, it's a little bit higher, but it, it, it's really not something that's horrible. Um, I think certainly, you know, these people need help. Uh, I think the I think the problem is is really with the um, the structural adjustment of the job market of the labor market. Uh, I think you know where the society is changing, the economy is changing. We're moving towards a new era, an era of uh, um, you know AI, an era of uh, the digital economy. And as a result, the j 
job market uh, demand for new jobs is, is undergoing a structural change. But typically, the job market, it, you know, the, the the mechanism to adjust to that demand shift is very slow, um, it, it, because uh, you know things will have to be adjusted based on the uh, uh, the leverage, uh, you know. The role of the pricing uh, place, where the pricing is the wage and the salary, and typically it is a leg. Um, it, it, it doesn't happen immediately. It's going to take some time. It takes a leg for the market to realize that where the higher paying jobs are going, uh, where the high demand for jobs are going, and you know, and then the supply side respond. So, so I think what we are seeing is a structural um, friction here, um, and it's going to take some time for the market to realize that uh, uh, you know. What kind of people are really needed uh, in, in, the, in, in the market, in the job market? So I think um, the, the kind of a phenomenon we are seeing um, is, is temporary, in my view. And, and certainly, you know, a lot of people need help, and this is where the government can step in and and you know do something to accelerate or fasten the process of market adjustment uh, to let people know, you know, what kind of jobs uh, are needed. And, 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 for example, let the university degree programs to be reoriented towards what the market needs. You know, these are the things the government can do. At least I think the Ministry of Education should be able to do. Mm. Well, we're speaking with John Gong, Professor of the University of International Business and Economics, Andy Mark, Senior Research Fellow at the Center for China and Globalization, and also Ina Tengen, Senior Fellow at the Taihe Institute. After a short break, we'll take a look at China's private economy. Stay with us. D-Dine, a podcast of CGTN Radio. We go beyond headlines with reporters from around the world. Search for Deep Dive on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen. Take a deep dive into the news every week. Hear our conversations. Now we take a look at China's private economy. The country will increase policy support for the private sector, and this is according to joint guidelines released by the Central Committee of the Communist Party of China and the State Council. According to the guidelines, the country will strive to fully implement policies to protect fair competition in the market and promote private sector development. China will boost the policy support for the private sector, including measures to improve capital funding. The guidelines also promise to strengthen legal guarantees for the private sector. So I earlier spoke with Dr. Yao Shujie, Chang Kang Professor of Economics at Chongqing University. So, Dr. Yao, China issued guidelines on boosting the growth of the private economy. It emphasizes the business environment, the policy support, the legal protection, etc. So, what message does it send? The message is very clear. The central government. It's continuing to support and encourage the development of the private sector, which proved to be a very important part of the Chinese economy alongside with the state-owned sector. So uh, in the future, I think the government would make it clear the private sector, the state sector, they would share the same uh, you know, policy support, not only the business environment, but also the legal system and as well as the uh, financing for the operation of the private enterprises. Mm. We know that uh, China is now facing a new period of development, particularly China is escalating from a relatively low level to a high level manufacturing and, and export country. So the, the, it is very important that the private sector should be 
actively participated in the process of national economic development. Yeah, the participation means that the private sector not only is going to be bigger, but also stronger, but also there is a, a legal environment that uh, fair competition between the private sector and the state sector, fair competition between uh, the private sector and the, in the international market. And this particular policy kind of emphasizes a few areas of support and encouragement. The first area of support is to create a conducive business environment and also to facilitate the financial system to help the private sector for expansion and uh, investment. And certainly there will be a legal system to protect the property rights of the private enterprises and individuals. This is a very comprehensive policy uh, document and to make sure that uh, the private sector has sufficient confidence to continue to grow, to become a very important contributing uh, sector for the Chinese economy. So to what extent do you think these measures can help improve the confidence of the private sector? Yeah, the private sector is facing some challenges, not only in the past, but particularly more uh, in the current period, especially when China has experienced three years of COVID-19. Now the the private sector, uh, because the nature of them, uh, most of them are small and medium-sized or even micro-sectors, they are relatively vulnerable. So this is a very, this policy document is very important. Furthermore, I think the central and the local government will, will face on the reality that this private sector, uh, because of the vulnerability, there should be some special policy, for example, like finance, like government support. They should be directly targeted uh, to the, the, the enterprise level. Uh, what's your main takeaways from these uh, new measures? Could they actually address the major challenges faced by the private economy? They would certainly help to address some of the problems that we are facing by the private sector. First of all, it's the uncertainty and also the future directions. I mean, because China is a socialist country, we have a national objective of common prosperity. But the problem is some people may misunderstood uh, the, the so-called common prosperity. The policy document actually recognized the importance that in the, in the early stage of so- socialism, particularly in this stage, the private sector, they, they are contributing to the national economic growth, technological progress, uh, employment and people's well-being. Because the private sector is the pillar sector in job creation, in terms of uh, you know meeting uh, all kinds of uh, domestic demand and international export. So mm-hmm. it is it, it certainly would boost the confidence of the private sector and give a, a clear direction that, yes, you can do it and we'll protect your interests, we'll support you, and you will be treated equally as the state-owned sector in the future. Mm. And besides the capital funding, what other policy support do you think the uh, private sector are needed now? I think confidence is uh, is very important. Confidence is it, it can be you know uh, explained in different ways. Uh, first of all, confidence means private ownership is uh, officially recognized, it's legally protected by the government. So, uh, you know, legal protection is very important. And secondly, I think 
there will be some special policy to guide the financial institutions to support the private sector on an equal playing field rather than discrimination. And certainly, there will be some more tolerance about the debt situation, about the short-term difficulty and financial stress. There will be some special mechanism how to delay the stress, how to uh, make sure the debts are resolved uh, properly uh, in a in a right direction. That they, the private sector can make some mistakes, but the mistake can be uh, tolerated to a certain extent. That in the future they will be corrected, and once they are corrected, they will become stronger. Mm-hmm. So there are a lots of uh, very detailed uh, in, in the point in the document. Mm-hmm. All this not only just solving the current problem, but also lay a very solid foundation for the future development. Mm. And what is your observation of the private sector in the first half of this year's economy? And what role will they play in China's economic rebound this year? The private sector has been playing a, a very, very important role in the national economy, as I said, in terms of maintaining a steady uh, job market employment. For example, like creating you know a, a you know income for the employees for the people, so it is very important in sustaining the income generation of the Chinese people, and certainly it uh, provides significant contribution to national taxation, uh, to export and technological progress. As we see, the automobile sector is growing exponentially. And much of the contribution actually comes from the private sector. Now there are some challenges, of course. So they they would be some more uh, simulation uh, packages to make sure that the, in, the the investment by the private sector will become significant and positive in the second half of the year and in the future. Mm. And what does the fair competition mean for them? The competition they 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 are facing quite a lot of competition. First of all, the private sector themselves, uh, the number of enterprises are numerous. We are talking about tens of millions. So the competition among the private sector is is highly intense. And also the sector competition, like the private sector is compete with the state sector. In some areas, the private sector are still not allowed to enter. So this, this policy guidance is going to uh, neglect this uh, restriction for the private sector to 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 engage in some certain area which are traditionally or in the past which are not allowed by the private sector. That was Yao Shujie, Changkang Professor of Economics at Chongqing University. And with that, we end this edition of Biz Today. I'm Zhao Yang in Beijing. Thank you so much for listening.